just get it in for Ben. Across shot, score! Playoff hockey is back as the Dallas Stars begin their quest for the cup. Level up the intensity, boost the excitement, and power up the passion. There's nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. Don't miss a second of the action as the Stars begin their pursuit of hockey's ultimate prize. One-timer, score! Visit DallasStars.com slash tickets to reserve your seat. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray. Hey, Podman Rushers. Here we go with what will be the, I believe, penultimate Podman Rush of the regular season. I am joined by... Uh, the tool for the hard, passionate Stars fans, Mike Heike, and back from his trip to the, uh, what would it be? It would be the, uh, con- is it Confluence of the North and South Thompson Rivers? That's up right. Up there in beautiful British Columbia from The Athletic. It's Saad Yusuf. Saad, so good to have you on here. Thanks for having me, Razor. It was, this is my second time, and I'm honored that you heard me the first time and thought, you know what? It's not the worst thing to have him back on again. <laughs> no, so. it's awesome. <laughs> you you are the the man that can actually ask all the tough questions in that now, too, because the rest of us are just pom-poming it up down here. So, uh, Saad, you made the trek to Kamloops, one-time Razorland. Then Mark Recky Wayville, and now Stankoven Haven, I guess. Your impressions of the of the loops this year's Memorial Cup host city. Well, in all seriousness, and I'm not even joking about this. Uh, you're kind of a legend over there. Every time I there's there's two there's two people that every time I ran into someone over there, they're like, say hi. They they knew I was going to Vancouver because the Stars were going to play in the Canucks uh, a few days after I was um, after I got to Kamloops. So. Everyone knew I was going to Vancouver. They said, oh, say hi to Tom Gillardi. And then they're also, in the same breath, they're like, say hi to Razor as well. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, we're really on par with one another. <laughs> yeah, you have, uh, you have a picture of yourself. Uh, well, I, I'm not saying you put it up there, but there's a picture of you in the media room down there uh, as there? well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a picture of you along with like four or five other Dallas Stars uh, wow. among other uh, other players. So. Uh, obviously not in a Dallas Stars jersey, but you know there's still a picture of you down there. So nice, I didn't um, know that. It was just a phenomenal experience. I think there were so many different layers to it, and there's some of it that you know won't really make it to print because most of the stuff that's going to make it to print is going to have to do with the Memorial Cup, Logan Stankoven, and Matthew Seminoff. But to go to a place that is such a small city and where hockey is religion, the way that it is over there. I mean, you walk into the Sandman Center and, and it's just, it's just, it's unreal. I mean, you know, it was a different experience just to be there. And that's taking nothing away from the AAC or any other NHL arena I've been to, but it's just a different environment. Had you been to a junior game before? I have not. I had no, not. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I did my homework. I, you know, I talked to Wyatt Johnston. He prepared me a little bit about what it's going to be like. He was like, to be prepared for no defense. And he was absolutely right. Well, that's right. the OHL. That's the <laughs> OHL. Yeah. Although the West has changed a little bit from what I've heard. Yeah, it was it was a great experience, though. The city was gorgeous. The uh, The people were just the kindest people there. And, and everything was uh, very, very awesome. Dang, that's good to hear. Yeah. About the old loops. I, I mean, formative years, man. Went back there every year after my mom lived not far from there in Ashcroft. It it's it's sort of home now. Although I was born in Prince George, and I still love all my time way up north there. But so, what were the years? A that lot you were went there? on in Kamloops. <laughs> what were the years that you were there exactly? Uh, eighty three to eighty five six. Okay, yeah. So we we were right in the transition from Junior Oilers to. Blazers mm. and city owned in that. Uh, Joe Smith wrote a great article on the athletic mm-hmm. about Dean Evison, the coach of the Minnesota wild now. And uh, he did a lot of the background stuff on, on his time there, which would be my time there. And now you move forward, you know, decades and lots of them to Stankoven, who is by your 
um, reporting. Now, when does this come out? I don't want to ruin anything. So the 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 full full on full blow of all this is when. Yeah, there's going to be a couple of times to it. One at the, probably at the beginning of the Memorial Cup, and then again. Uh, probably in training camp. So that don't no worries about okay. ruining anything. I'm not I'm not but, too concerned. But like that. you were saying, like he is he is God level there. <laughs> and he's from there. Yes. Like Recky was. He's from Kamloops. He's from there and there is a there is a level of just uh adoration for Logan Stankoven there. I mean, there's not a lot of and you know, you can attest to this, Razor. There's not a lot of people who get bobblehead nights in junior hockey. And, <laughs> I never uh, got one. <laughs> <laughs> and Logan had a bobblehead night. He was in a he was in a suit and uh because he was hurt, unfortunately. But he was sitting up there in the stands and you know, I was obviously there for that game uh for the bobblehead night. It was on a Saturday. And I went over and I was hanging out with him and his parents and just the amount of people. I mean, it was it was like it, it was like he had a set up shop basically where he was he was standing there and then there were people who were talking to him and his dad and his mom. And then every now and then he had to go and do like a represent like a photo shoot type thing, like between periods. He was really? also doing like a fundraiser the whole time. He raised like, Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. He raised so much money for, uh, you know, for giving blood and stuff. And he had to like go. So he's just, he's just, uh, yeah, he's superstar. At he's that a level, superstar man. at that, in that city. And, and, you know, I was so happy to see that for him just because he's also such a good kid, but, um, you know, it was great. Well, good on you for going there and, and putting in the, you know, boots on the ground work, uh, with the what's going to be the infancy of what well, I think what everyone hopes is just a stupendous National Hockey League career for Stanko. And lots lots to be done at junior level before that. The Memorial Cup, which is like the final four of, of junior hockey, is in Kamloops this year. And then we'll see whether he can make the leap like Wyatt Johnston did this year straight out of – out of the loops to Dallas, that would be it. Would be pretty awesome, but uh, it would, good, on, good good on you for getting up there and doing that. Yeah, and one last thing before we before we move on from that is, I would say uh, Matthew Semenov, uh, mm-hmm. impressive kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I know he was a six round pick last year, and and you know it, it's not often that those pan out a lot, but you know there is a captain in Jamie Ben who was a fifth rounder. John Klingberg was a fifth rounder. I mean it's not unheard of, and I'm not I'm not putting him in that realm of of franchise altering player. But I will say that if you're looking for a lottery ticket type of talent, type of player, uh, Matthew Semenov, the the improvements he made from uh, the previous year in juniors to this year has just been ridiculously impressive, and everyone over there is really impressed with him as well. It's almost like the organization has some kind of a uh, inroad um, <laughs> b- behind the scenes, uh, better knowledge than maybe other franchises about the Kamloops Blazers. Hey, mm-hmm. okay? yeah, and then it's like a leg up. Mike, have you enjoyed this? I actually have. are you still I'm there? Big, <laughs> I'm a big fan of sods, and and uh, I love this type of reporting. All right, uh, I'm not a journalist anymore, so I what can't are you? Do that. Uh, beyond I'm, a tool, I'm a, sp- I'm a sports writer. Oh, are you? <laughs> well, I write about sports. Okay. All right. Well, you're all writing lots about this next guy. Uh, we'll move on from Stankoven and let him win the Memorial Cup for our great Camus Blazers. Jason Robertson. Jason Robertson is having a campaign. I, I was thinking this. If, if we were to era adjust... Is it era or era? You guys are the sports writers. Depends on uh, if you're in Boston or not. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but if we did that, it, he's at what? 101 points right now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. moving, trending toward a buck 10. Uh, is his 101 point season greater than Bobby Smith's franchise record? And those triple digit totals from the 80s North Stars. I think adjusted for time it is just because I think Bobby Smith might have been 10th or 12th in the league. Well, here, Mike, Mike and uh, Saad both. I have it right in front of me here. I've done the homework. Uh, I don't know if you you. sports writers do the homework or you just work off. We didn't know. We didn't know what the questions were. I know. That's (laughs) always gives me a leg up, Saad. Okay. 1981-82, Bobby Smith, 43 goals, 71 assists, 114 points in 80 games. 
That is the franchise record. Gretzky had 212 points that year. <laughs> <laughs> so Gretz had 212, Mike Bossy 147, Stashney uh, 139, Marouk 136, Trache 129, Savard 119, Marcel Dion 117, and then Bobby Smith. Yeah. So three guys that season scored 60, and Gretz scored 92 goals. Still the NHL record. So is that 212, by the way. And there were only three goalies that had a goals against average under three. So you fast forward now to 2022-23, and Jason Robertson, same 43 goals as Bobby Smith, 58 assists, 101 points in 77 games so far. Connor McDavid has 147 points. He he's he's the Gretzky of this debate or conversation. And then Drysidle at 123, Kucherov at 106, Pasta at 103, along with Matthew Kachuk. Uh, so one guy has scored 60. That's McDavid with 62. And get listen to this one. The the leading goalie uh is under two. Allmark with the Bruins has a 1.9 goals against average. There are 33 goaltenders who've played at least 20 games that are under three. So that position and the the ability to score goals is not the same as as what it was in the early 80s when you could squeeze some pucks home. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think if you're making the direct comparison with Robertson to Bobby Smith as well, I think you also, aside from era adjusting, you have to player adjust. Bobby Smith beat out Gretzky in the OMJHL for a scoring title, you know, even though Gretzky was a few years younger. Bobby Smith was the first overall pick. Jason Robertson was second overall was a second round pick with questions about his skating and stuff. And, you know, Bobby Smith won the Calder. And and so when you look at just the 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 type of players those two guys were, I would say that makes Robertson's even more impressive because it's not that he's come out of out, complete nowhere, but he's not he doesn't have the pedigree that Bobby Smith did, even when Bobby Smith was doing what he did. Mike, I have sought up one nothing on you right now with that diatribe he just laid out. <laughs> Go ahead. Jason Robertson led the OHL in scoring his well, great. No, 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 you side. can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Do your own. Uh, all right, here's my own. Um, it's been interesting. Chuck Carlton and I go back a long way. Yeah, you And do. the morning news have uh, has put him in to cover the stars. Crusty and so old the other, Codgers is what you he know, is. <laughs> we are. Uh, and so he was asking about Robertson and, and, you know, asking for some background. And and we started, you know, half hour, 45 minute conversation. It was really good for me just to go over everything we've talked about this mm-hmm. year. And so I was telling him about uh, Wedgwood uh, working out with Robertson in the summer in Detroit. And Wedgwood said that that Robertson works on placing the puck the way a pitcher works on placing a pitch. And. You know, when you start looking at how he scores and, and just the, the technicality uh, of what he does, uh, it's unique. Uh, I thought the, the goal the other day was exactly a Jason Robertson, you know, type goal, not the 100 point one, but the one that uh, where he uh, uh, beat Madonna. They're all uh, running he's together. Just, they're all running together are, at this point. They are Mike. running together. But but this one was in Arizona and he he literally had no idea what he was going to do, then just improvised and put a put a puck in the perfect place. And it, it's just, it's so Jason Robertson. That's what he does. Uh, I was watching him warm up uh, before the last game and he was doing it then. He, he, the shot doesn't look like it's that dangerous, but the goalie just doesn't know where it's going. And and Robertson does. He puts it in the perfect place. He's just a really smart player uh, who can take that, what's in his brain and convert it to the ice. I, I've dubbed him the slot ninja ah, because of I that. Love it. Because of that. And yeah. I agree. I had sat down with Barry Trotz, uh, who's coached a few teams in his day, a Stanley Cup winning coach, going to take over as the general manager of the Nashville Predators. And we got talking about about Robertson, and he said, I, I just watch him and I see his, his hands are always ready to shoot. And I was like, wow, there you go. There's some insight. He says, every time you look at him, his hands are ready to shoot when he's in that area. And that's, that's why I think it leads to – you're talking about Mike, where uh, he, that placement 
stuff in that because it's like he's I always think that he's he's visually and at most of the time intellectually ahead of ahead of the goaltender a little bit he's he's already sizing them in that before anything is unfolding and when you have your hands already there and and ready for your mind to make up its its mind uh then you get what Robertson has done goal scoring wise so just a, a pretty special player and as Saad was pointing out you know not not an elite not a guy coming out of the top five of the NHL draft a guy with question marks from a lot of people and and out of the second round and man if you if you redrafted that, that 2017 oh, draft yeah. uh, he's going a lot higher than where he went so. I, I would also say to Mike's point and to your point, Razor, it's also it's also everything that you guys have kind of described. I'm not taking anything away from Robertson, but it doesn't hurt that his entire NHL development has come with Joe Pavelski on his line. When you look at the intellectual level that he, that you know the shot and stuff is obviously on on a different level, and Pavelski doesn't have that. But when you talk about just the way that you look at the game, the way that you move around and the way that you basically make the best of whatever tools you have. I mean, you know, I, I talked to Robertson about this, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago and, and he kind of made the point to me where he was like, you know, I haven't had a chance to watch much Joe because I'm kind of on the ice with them the whole time. Right. Um, but you kind of learn, you see the tendencies and, you know, it's something Wyatt Johnston told me a, a little while back too about Jamie Ben, where he was like, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of Jamie Ben um, other than as a fan, but uh, but being on the ice with them, there are definitely things that you just like without even knowing. You just subconsciously start adapting, and I think there has to be some level. I, I think Robertson would be a phenomenal, great scorer, player, all that stuff, no matter what. But I don't think it hurts that his entire career has come with Pavelski on his line. Yeah, at, at even strength, and think about it on the power play. He's right. always on the same power play unit with him, so yeah. uh, he he cannot watch and enjoy and what have you. So, uh, I tell you what, I enjoy. I, I enjoy that we pick and choose and poach and sort of distill the franchise marks. You know, we we call them <laughs> we call them franchise <laughs> record or Dallas record or since the move to Texas record or. Minnesota North Stars record. Maybe we need a more succinct official blanket holding thing for maybe we need a pen. Maybe we need to, to fence this thing off a little more than we have. You're we? the wordsmith. I don't know. I don't know. I asked, you know, the, the easy comparable is in Colorado because they have a very similar history where they came from Quebec city and they had great teams and, and, you know, phenomenal offensive players and that with the Nordique. And then they also have cups that they've won since they've moved down to Colorado. Uh, and they, they kind of call them avalanche records. But now that they've had these miraculous individuals and, and all that recently, they're starting to, to adopt more of the franchise record thing. Like we tend to do, but it is a little picky choosy, is it not? What we do? I think it's getting there first. Uh, you know, if, if if we knew Robertson was going to beat the franchise record, we probably wouldn't be that consumed with the Dallas Stars record. But it, anytime you get a chance to celebrate a quote unquote record, you're going to do that. Well, what, uh, what it, about what what about the fact that that there is another team in Minnesota now, and yeah, that effect on it. Where you can't, if, if you just call it a Minnesota record, then maybe you're confusing people again, right? Yeah. Well, so, and again, what the, the Cleveland Browns went back and became the Browns. So didn't they right. retain all their records? So it, it's hard because, again, as much as those records are property of the fans of Minnesota, they're not of that franchise. So it, it, it is very difficult. What In my perfect world, it's mm. just a franchise record and... Jason Robertson hasn't beat it yet. And we'd all mm. just be talking about how he needs to get to 114 points. So mm -hmm. I'm an old, I'm a codger. I would say it's also a little confusing because Razor, the example that you just said with the Nordiques and, and the avalanche, you can call it avalanche records, 
but you can't really say stars because there's still North stars. And, and you run into like, you know, I just wrote the story about Harley uh, today and I'm like trying to balance Texas stars with Dallas stars. And there's there's just so, and then you have the North <laughs> a lot stars, of stars so man. there's just a, so much stars. You can't just loosely Star use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I thought a while ago, should we just say South stars and North stars? Do <laughs> you, you cut the line that way? I like I, that. I like that. The South I, so Stars have, record? Yeah, you have Texas yeah. Stars, South Stars, and the North Stars. But then we like to adopt Texas hockey, so then South right. Stars is going to mess with that. And then Texas Stars is going to sound more like the actual Dallas Stars. <laughs> we can I go Lone we, Stars. Lone Stars? I mean, yeah. hey, look, just the fact that we're talking about records, I think, is a good thing. <laughs> and, well, and that's the, the other thing is that you do sit there and go, well, they haven't done this in... 40 years. Right. So that in itself is pretty cool. Yeah. There, a lot of this is riding the wave that we're experiencing in the NHL right now. And, and so back to Robertson, McDavid has already won it, but shouldn't Robertson be getting more MVP chatter this season? I mean, he has almost 30 more points than the next teammate on the Dallas stars. 30 points like it's not close and even even the guys that he plays with in that he has 30 more points almost than any teammate that that on a first place team that sounds kind of mvp-ish doesn't it yes yeah, and i talked about this what yesterday i think it was yeah well let if me you in ju- on the conversation mike <laughs> well if you just take mcdavid out and then now okay let's vote the mvp without mcdavid He's definitely there. I I mean, you're going to have four or five guys, and Robertson's right in the mix. The non-McDavid NHL. (laughs) Is that what you guys came up with? (laughs) Well, we're going to give him the Awesome Player of the Year award, and then we'll go with him. Oh, are you guys voting on that now, or (laughs) what? We're starting it up ourselves. Yeah, he's going to win the NHL uh, Players Association MVP or best player. He's going to win the heart, and it, now he's going to win the, what is it, Mike? The awesome Most player. Most awesome player? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a nouveau thing. I like it. I think I think we're going to call him the best liney. Isn't that what we're using now, liney? <laughs> well, it won't be the whole word, I can tell you that. That doesn't work anymore in <laughs> hockey th- or life. I think, I think you know, again, it's just if McDavid wasn't having such an uh, otherworldly season, um, I think Robertson for me, and, and you know, I don't mean to sound biased, but I, I think for me, he would be the leader. I mean, it, it, it's not because of only just what he's done. It's because the stars are a first place caliber team might finish first place in the division. And the other thing is that a lot of people, a lot of people talked about for the first two years, it was always this conversation. And trust me, like at the athletic, you know, I work with national writers and stuff. And everyone always asked me like, how much of this is Robertson and how much of this is Hintz and Pavelski? Well, Razor, to your point, he separated himself. And that's with all due respect to Hintz and Pavelski. By yeah. the way, Hintz, who I think is going to be in the Selkie conversation forever for his entire career. But I, I think it's with all due respect to those two. But Robertson this year has separated himself from that. Is he a product of his line? And so for me, I think in a non-McDavid world, he would probably be the front runner for me for Hart. Speaking of awards, who else from the stars do you see getting votes? Almost all of the voting awards they should, right? Yeah, Miro yeah. for Norris, Ottinger for Vesna. I mean, I they, I'm not saying they should win those awards, but they should definitely get votes. Wyatt for Johnston for well, Calder. Calder, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, DeBoer, yeah. Yep. for the Jack, Jack Adams. Adams. That's us. Yeah. We decide who gets coach of the year us in the broadcast world and the various factions of of Bally's and Nessons and sports nets and all of us around the league the odds are good that a that a stars tangent coach will will get the bulk of jack adams <laughs> if, you just, right. if you just go by the percentages there that's right the the other one that i floated last game uh, and, and it's a it's a good one. I was reminded by a, a f- former, well, current Pavelski lover, but former up close lover of Pavelski, uh, that he would be a great 
candidate. I always think this about him every year, but he'd be a great candidate again this year for the Lady Bing because Joe's only taken four minor penalties. He's very gentlemanly. Uh, and and he, he's, he's going to finish with close to 80 points as he closes in on 1,000 for his career. Uh, but you brought up the other one, the Selkie with Rope. The one thing I think Rope needs to do more of, hear me out on this one, because he, he, he is underappreciated for how much he covers up for those other two. And I, I, don't, I don't mean that in any, in any real degrading sense to Pavelski or to Robertson, but Joe's not the fastest player on the surface. We know that. So he's going to get trapped from place to place. Uh, but he's so smart about where he positions himself and understands the game and anticipates that he makes up for some of that. But some of it you flat can't make up, but Rope can. He can close on people. And Robertson, I think there's still some room to grow defensively is the way I believe coaches would would say it. And who cares? Like, I remember, you know, you go back to when Bobby Smith was getting 114 points. Nobody cared whether any of those guys even understood how to pronounce their goaltender's name, let alone been anywhere near them. Like, it was just, you guys are the offensive guys, the defensemen and the goalies are on their own. And that's how the game was played in the early 80s. But if, if Rope would learn to cheat more on face-offs, he, he does not cheat. And he's still good. I mean, he's, he's above 50%, uh, well above 50%. But I think he could be moving more into, you know, Jamie Benn territory in the upper 50s, close to 60, if he cheated more. Because he's such a big, strong dude. He could just hog the the dot but he, he kind of plays fair in there and and uh you know that's one of the categories that they always look at with these guys that are potential selkie guys i look at a guy like barkoff in in florida and rope and i see the same i, I see the same guy in in a lot of ways so i think that that's a good one on you uh there sod uh, sliding him into that that conversation and we covered the heart the the non Connor McDavid, the non-McJesus Hart Trophy this year, and Jason Robertson might be the winner of that. Yeah, I, I think on the on the Rope Hints conversation too. I think defensively, he's always been uh, since his progression, he's been very solid and very good. But I think the more you watch him now, you start. I don't know if it's the the Finnish mafia effect or what, but um, you do see a lot more of him using his stick. Um, and, and making good defensive plays. I, I, the, a play that comes to mind for me is uh, a couple weeks ago in Edmonton. I, I don't know if you remember, there was that play where... Maybe you, you know, could insert some video here for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> there was a play where, where he, made a, he made a poke check, and I, was, and, and I think Miro was on the ice at the time as well, and I, and I just did a double take if that was Miro or Rope because he did make such a good play. And so... I think defensively, and and by the way, the Athletic just put out an article uh, two three days ago. Uh, one of our writers did about the best pure defensive centerman in the NHL. Then you're not talking two way, just defense only. And Rope is a top fifteen defense only centerman by all metrics. And so that's not even accounting for his offense yet. So now if you're talking two way Selkie, and you know we talk about the heart with with McDavid and the Selkie kind of has that same kind of cloud over its head, right? Because it's the Patrice Bergeron <laughs> award until he, until he leaves the NHL. Bergeron might win coach of the year this year. <laughs> so, so I think, but, and by the way, we talk about the coach of the year award also being like a star's tangent award. That, that kid in uh, Colorado, Val Nachushkin is going to be in that Selkie award conversation yeah. for a while as yeah. well. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think it's interesting, but, uh, but you're right. I think on the faceoffs, you know, Tyler Sagan was on was on the ticket. I think it was last week, and he was talking about faceoffs and how much he cheats in the faceoff circle, and it's part of it. And I think you're right. I think that's something that Rope could, you know, probably take a couple of hints from from uh, from a couple of the guys that are even on his roster. No pun intended. <laughs> that was well slid in there. So <laughs> he could take a hint. There you go, Mike. Anything. Uh, I agree with everything you say. No, I think you're I'm, so sm solid. I'm smarter from Here, you'll have something on this. this. I wanted to ask both of you about this because you both went in 
on Stars D recently? Hmm? Are you are you D haters? D demanders? D graders? <laughs> <laughs> what what prompted this? Uh, I, I'm not going to say vitriol, but a deeper dive into the Dallas defensive core. For me, it was the fact, I think, that the coaching staff seemed very frustrated. They were moving pairs around. They were trying 7D men. They've gone from trusting Nils to not trusting Nils at all. Uh, and then clearly calling up Harley. And they're searching for something. And, and I think the quote-unquote coaching body language is pretty obvious that uh, they want more from this group of defensemen, and, and they should. Um, you know, it's been very good. And Pete said, look, our numbers are fine, um, but we just we want to be better going into the playoffs. I think for me, one of the big things was that there's not a whole lot of excuses uh, for the defense. They've been healthy. This is what they came mm. in with. When you talk about the depth scoring, you know, you can kind of hang your hat on. Well, let's see what happens when Marchman comes back. Let's see what happens when Sagan comes back when he was hurt. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. But you don't really have anything to fall back on defensively. This is what you have until you brought up Harley. And so for me, um, when I look at the way that the defense has performed, and another thing I look at is the goaltending. And and you know, Razor, you I, I'm sure you are, you know, you know more about this in the tip of your finger than I know, but. For me, when I looked at how the Stars' defense overall performed, and this is not even just on the defensemen, I'm talking even with the forwards, how they performed with Matt Murray in net was was very disappointing. Um, in, in certain in a couple of his starts, it was it was disappointing to see that. It was disappointing to see. It was disappointing in Chicago in his first start. I was like, yeah. my God, you're playing the Hawks. It might have been the worst roster I've ever seen in the NHL. And they were letting him get grade A chance after grade A chance in the early going. It was like, help the kid out. Yeah. And and the same thing happened in that first Vancouver game he played, uh, that, that game in Vancouver. Yeah. And it was it was just disappointing. And then even with Ottinger and like, you know, you can talk about, you know, should he have made this save or not? Um, but when you look at some of the, when you look at some of the goals that are being scored, like, you know, that that Lundqvist uh, turnover in Calgary, for example, and then the Hanley turnover um, the other night. Um, I, I forgot who it was against, but um, I, I believe it was it was on that Tuesday game in Chicago, in Chicago, maybe. Um, but whatever. But the point is, is like some of these turnovers are happening so far deep in the defensive zone. And, you know, I, I was talking to Neil Graham uh, yesterday when I was talking about Harley and, you know, to bring the defenseman discussion, something that he Texas said. Texas Stars head coach Neil Graham. Yes, Texas yep. Stars head coach Neil Graham. And something that he said, I asked him, like, is it just harder? Is it just a longer transition for defensemen to the NHL than it is for forwards? And he said, it's not necessarily that it's harder. It's just that your mistakes are more magnified because they're happening closer to your net. And I think we're seeing that a lot with the defensemen you know, not talking about Harley, I'm talking about all the other defensemen. We're seeing a lot more mistakes happening closer to the goaltender and they're resulting in these two on ones, uh, odd man rushes. And, you know, to kind of go back to, uh, a few years ago, my first year covering the team was, uh, Jim Montgomery's first year, first year in Dallas. And if you remember part of his process was how many odd man rushes you're giving up. That's a really important thing. It's not just on the goaltender, to make every single stop. You also can't be given up two on ones and expect even Jake Ottinger to bail you out every single time. So for me, that's kind of where my frustration with the, with the defense is really stemmed from. It's that there's not a whole lot of excuses to fall back on. And it's a lot of very correctable issues. Yeah. Uh, odd man rushes are an interesting thing they, they've, they've fallen into some ruts throughout the year. Uh, and I think, I think I have it right. They're, they're okay with three on twos. They they feel like they can handle three forwards against two defensemen because ultimately it's it's three forwards or three players on their side against three defensively. You got a goalie back there too. And most times you have a guy hitting the whip and getting back as a forward to to help out. And you can, you can sort of uh, muck things up that way. Two on ones are a different animal. It's it, it, it and they they were rancid dealing with it um, as defensemen. Now, look, the first issue is way up the ice. How how did that get created? And a lot of times it's predicated on on your, your puck play and did you turn it over and did you have a forward diving in? Did you have a defenseman not read things properly and hang in? 
because they do play a pretty press game at the offensive blue line. Uh, and then it leads to that. But then when you're back there, they, they just weren't playing them all that well. And it wasn't just one guy. It was like lots of guys were not playing two-on-ones very well. And you could see it messing with the netminders a little bit. Okay, do I do I cheat a little bit here thinking that pass is going to get across? Do I hang in here and just play the shooter and then all of a sudden it's an open net? They were giving up so many of those backdoor open net tap-ins. It, it, was, it was frightening. Mm-hmm. But... I know it's a real small sample size because what has he played now? Harley's played thirty-five Five. NHL mm-hmm. games. Yeah, um, and and Niels Lundqvist has played essentially a season of NHL games, eighty-three or eighty-four, or something like that. Uh, and I remember all the old school guys around here, Luddy and and uh, Hatch and that whole crew. They all agreed it it takes it takes two hundred two hundred fifty games before you you kind of get it. And by get it, I would I would think that leads to what you were talking about, Saad, where they 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 need the game to to slow down in their minds a little bit, so that when when they do make mistakes, they're not those great big egregious cadaverous mistakes that end up in the back of your net, uh, and they just understand the game a little bit more. I can tell, and it was one game, and it should it should probably get uh, couched a little bit that. That was UC Soros and the Milwaukee Admirals that they were playing the other night. <laughs> no offense to them. Once they they worked hard, but once they once they started to crater, they cratered, and they they didn't look like a, a fierce opponent. And the Stars drilled them pretty good. But man, the his ability, uh, Thomas Harley's ability to deliver a puck to forwards, and that is everything for this coaching staff on how they want to go about their business. They. It's all. Uh, it starts. The genesis of everything starts with exits out of their own zone, and that's why Miro's such a phenomenal player. And other guys can move the puck extremely well too. But you have to do it. Not all of them. But it was but Harley's can, first shift. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it was. But it was repeated throughout. Yeah. Where you were just like, yeah, that'll help. Mm-hmm. That that's that's going to help right there. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it's been an interesting year back there one of the fascinating things for me is that those two big fins the the heavy duo of uh Lindell and and Hockenpah have been a pair exclusively since Halloween they have not messed with that pairing at all mm-hmm. and at times you're sitting there going well maybe yes I should play with Miro maybe so and so's here and that but they they have stuck with those two through thick and thin and they are the the top two uh, on one of the best uh, penalty kills in the entire NHL this season. And a big reason why they're one of the best penalty kills in the league. So fascinating, fascinating stuff. Anything else you want to go in on Mike? Yeah, just one, uh, just observation. Uh, One in my, in my opinion, Thomas Harley looks bigger. Like it looks like he really hit the weight room and, you know, obviously, you know, going from 19 to 21, you're going to mature. And yeah, then the other little, thing it, he put on weight. You're right. Yeah. They, they do a good job down there. JJ McQueen and them. But I mean, even in just brief conversations, his demeanor seems more mature. And, you know, that's just the process of going, like I said, from 19 to 21. And uh, I, it just seems like they, as much as sometimes fans criticize the fact that, oh, he's down in the minus, why, why are we putting him there? I think there's a lot to be gained from guys doing what he did. Yeah, and I also think that <clears throat> that was something that came up a lot in conversations um, with Jim Neal and Neil Graham as well, where, you know, Jim Neal was was not very was very open about the fact that he felt Thomas Harley was NHL ready around December. He didn't get his call up until April. And something that Neil Graham said was that's when you see a lot of players really start to drop off because they know they've done enough to get to the NHL level, but circumstances aren't allowing it to happen because stars need to accrue cap space for the deadline, no injuries are coming up, whatever. And Harley's maturity to just stay on it and stay with it and do that for the next three months at a level that he, at that point, the organization and himself both knew he had kind of graduated from a little bit, at least to get an opportunity. Um, That spoke a lot to his maturity. The way that he handled the, the demotion out of training camp 
It was similar to how uh, um, management talked about Jake Ottinger handling that demotion at the beginning of last year where, you know, he could have been upset about it, but he went down and did the work and, and then, you know, he was ready for when his name was called. Well, the difference uh, there, Saad, and you alluded to it earlier, is that Jake went down. I'm sure he was pissed. Uh, I would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you think you've arrived at this level and then bang, you're back in the American Hockey League. But the uh, there were injuries mm-hmm. and an opportunity. And with the defense corps, as you were talking about earlier, there have been no injuries, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've, they've been available game in and, and game out all year, and that's put a ceiling on Harley until now that you know cap situation all this stuff that that's been in the mix they yeah look they they've all wanted him up here for a while and if game one was any indication it looks like and hopefully he builds and keeps building uh he's going to be a real asset for them here come playoff time so good full discussion stars d <laughs> uh uh little self ingratiation Time here on the Podman Rush, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Uh, Completely disregard your physical well-being and risk the nastiest of shoulder separation or dislocation. Go ahead, enthusiastically pat yourselves on the back, each of you individually, for getting it right at the outset of the season. What, What did you see, what did you want to see that has actually come to fruition with these stars this year. Go. I'm giving this one to Saad. He's got like a list of 27 <laughs> things that he predicted. Yeah. I have- Should we call an ambulance then? <laughs> well, He's going to be pat- patting all over. I had five bold predictions that I had 10 and five of them came. Well, through. let's use five. We yes. don't have time for 10. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, five of them didn't happen anyways. And I'll run through a couple. One all for right. me, was I predicted that the Stars, for the first time since the 2014-15 season, would win more road games than home games. Wow. They have clinched that um, because uh, they were Why'd you do that? What what prompted that? That's a good one. uh, Because... Pete DeBoer, after after training camp, I learned, you know, Rick Bonus was very matchup driven and a, lot, a last change mattered a lot. How he approached the game at home versus the road was different. Um, and I thought Pete DeBoer was just going to roll the lines and it's going to be very similar home and road. And so not just that reason. I also thought that uh, Jake Ottinger, having spent time with them in Minnesota last summer, he is just the I've never seen. It's very Jordan-esque how much he embraces the villain role. And I I I really had a good hunch that he was going to be a better road goaltender than a home goaltender. Um, and both of those things were true. And so that was one that I got right. Um, the other one um, that I'll say is for the first time since the 2015-16 season, I predicted they would score sh- 10 shorthanded goals. They were exactly at 10 shorthanded goals. So I got I nailed that one. And then, uh, and the reason for that was just the difference in the penalty killing. I mean, we saw in recent years the PK was good, but it was very sit back and, and oh yeah, way more and, aggressive. Yeah. yeah, so way more aggressive, and and that was a reason. And the last one, and this is the one that I'm maybe proudest of, and the one that I, like you know I even use for our national discussion when we do it at the Athletic, is I predicted that Miro's career high, which was 36 points, would double. It would be 70. He would score 72 points. And that is, and that would break Zubov's record by one. It would double his career high. And I don't want to jinx it, but he is on pace to do just that. Uh, he has five games left. I believe he's at 68 points right now. He needs four points. Um, so there's a good chance that that one happens as well. Sod the specific <laughs> soothsayer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Top that, Mike Heike. He's much better than I am. Uh, my whole thing was wrapped up in Jake. Uh, I was just so impressed with him. And and I still believe that it's hard because of the statistics, but I think he is the best goalie in the Western Conference. That if you had to go into any playoff series right now, mm. I think he's the guy you'd pick. And the fact that he's dealt with all this, 
um, has been really important. I told Wedgwood the other day, we were just BS, and I said, you should be very proud of yourself because I think you mean a lot to this organization. And he said, thanks for that. But I mean, I think Jake having to deal with that is probably going to make him even stronger, hopefully get some rest going into the playoffs. But um, that guy, is he's 24 years old. And he is, to me, one of the best goalies in the NHL. And, and I think he keeps proving that. Well, I wanted three things. I, I almost say, I, I think I, I said this repeatedly for the last like six years, it feels like. I wanted them to get out of the middle. I, I, yes. I wanted them to move off of the perennial 16th, 17th overall. And they're currently 10th and probably trending up. They'll finish in the top 10 overall. I believe when it's all said and done, some very winnable games upcoming. Uh, number two for me was balance. There, there've been good years defensively. I mean, great years defensively and sort of pop gun squirt gun offensively. And you look at this year and they're top 10 in goals for, and in goals against their top 10 in power play and in penalty killing. I, I think it's been a wonderful balance to the, offensive side of things in the defense they've had some ebbs and flows but nothing huge I still find it fascinating that they haven't won more than three games in a row in regulation this year isn't that nuts like it just feels yeah. like well they they had to have gone off you know six seven wins in a row. nope nope they're just locked in right in the bottom and they also haven't lost three in a row in in uh, regulation or beyond and what's that. funny is that they actually own the regulation wins tiebreaker over the abs and oh, the yeah. wild well, so. yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that here in a second oh see uh the other thing i wanted was i wanted to see uh lots of 20 and 30 goal scorers again not just a couple guys or one line having a big season but some spread and they have seven guys with at least 20 right now and what do they have, uh, three 30s, three 30 goal scores? So well done. So check, check, check. Nailed it. Razor Domus. <laughs> uh, one, one more foray into the prognostication playland. Uh, where do you see the Stars finish? And who do they face in the first round? And how far do they go? And me to jump in? Good. Yeah, Mike. You're the senior <laughs> well, writer. Yeah. I am the senior writer. Thank you, Saad, for stepping <laughs> aside. Uh, I think they win the division. I, I really do. Um, it's going to be close. Obviously, look, to wake up this morning and it's, what is it, 98, 98, 98 or something like that? That's what Saad uh, was just alluding to. I know. But I do think that tiebreaker is important for him. Um, and then I think they play Seattle in the first round and it'll be a very fun playoff series. How far do they go? Hmm. I'm going to get him in the into the Western Conference final. Okay. Saad? Yeah, I think uh I, I think Mike's prediction is is the uh is the one that Stars fans would love in terms of especially the first round opponent. I I don't I'm not quite as optimistic. I I still think Colorado sneaks by on that division maybe by a point or something. Um, I, I see the stars finishing second and having a date with the wild in this in the first round, um, mm. and and I think it would it would be a great series. You know, when you look at Klingberg and Kaprizov coming back and just all that kind of stuff, um, I think I can see them going to the Western Conference Finals or the Stanley Cup Final. I think that's kind of where well, one I or see the them. other side. Uh, you it, fence sitter. If you're holding my feet to the fire, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little more on the conservative side and say Western Conference Final, just because of how Edmonton is looking lately. Um, they they look they look ferocious, and so I think uh, for me, I, you know, you play the Wild, you get you get through that, you play the Abs, you get through that, and then and then you know you see from there. But um, so I'll go with Western Conference Final finish. All right, I, I say they win the division in a tie break. It's actually going to ca cause the tiebreak to be engaged. Uh, then they face the Kraken because of that. Uh, then they uh, face the Oil in the conference final. And I wanted this to unfold where it was basically the most phenomenal storyline in every round. Like they'd take on Winnipeg and Bones, <laughs> and then they would, you got the two former. 
uh, general manager, assistant GM of the Detroit Red Wings with the oil. And then you get into the final against the Bruins and it's Monty there. And you could also have a, a delicious matchup with the Vegas Golden Knights and DeBoer going back against them in that. And it, it may happen. But that's how I see this thing cracking after they dispatch the Kraken. It's just going to flow through there. Going to be a magical spring in Stars Land. Looking forward to it. That would be Looking great. I, I think getting it. the Kraken in the first round would be just uh, just a huge boost because oh. I think I think you know they have all the confidence. They just beat them um, a couple of times. I think it would be it would be really great for them. You want to talk about an advantage in net. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sod, I enjoyed your deep dive into Kamloops, Thompson, Okanagan, and the legend of Logan Stankoven. Uh, and a reminder, everyone, you can read Sod's reporting at The Athletic. Paywall, but worth it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the truth is paywalled. Lies come for free. <laughs> and apropos of nothing, Mike Heike's musings are available at no cost to you. <laughs> At DallasStars.com. <laughs> Mike, you were awesome again this week. Worth every penny of what <laughs> I yes, paid Yes, I you. agree. <laughs> every dime I pay to read your stuff and just use it for my own uh, playland and preparation for Stars Hockey. Stars uh, Philly upcoming. Ooh. And then uh, the the final of the trilogy with the Vegas Golden Knights. That is an interesting game. Uh, matinee affair on the weekend. Uh, and then we go to, they still call it hockey town up there, Mike? Uh, it's on the ice, I believe. Yes, it is. I think it's, I always say it's a self-proclaimed hockey town. Shout uh, out to my, to my uh, U14 niece, uh, Taylor, who finished runner up in the uh, national championships right here in Dallas. She plays for little Caesars wow. up there. I asked her the question at the dinner table. She'll kill me probably. Well, no, she's young enough. She won't listen to this, so it won't matter. But I asked her, you know who Mike Madonna is? <laughs> I did it. I asked her who Mike Madonna is. And then we even led her down a path. You play at his arena. It, his right. name's on one of the arenas there in Livonia. And she couldn't get it. And then finally we just gave it to her, and she still didn't really know. <laughs> she, she said she'd heard the last name. She'd heard of that last name. Sorry, Mike. Anyway, thanks to both of you uh, and to you with the earbuds in on your walk or peeling off some miles on your stationary bike or cruising down that ribbon of highway. Appreciate y'all. Uh, Saad, bestia, thanks again for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Mike, can't wait to eat next to you on another flight. <laughs> Toodaloo, everyone. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Cheers. See you, gang. Gear up for game day and every day at the Hangar Team Stores. From hats to jerseys, tees, and more, the Hangar has the best selection of official Stars gear for every fan. For a location near you or to shop online, visit HangarHockey.com.